Welcome to Eco Impactors, the podcast brought to you by Orangutan Alliance. My name is Blaine Edwards and I am your host. In this podcast, I talk with eco innovators, thought leaders, and change makers who are impacting our planet for the better. If you haven't already, make sure to hit subscribe and enjoy the podcast. Hello and welcome back to Eco Impactors. Today we are joined by Carmela Sanchez, a veterinarian as well as founder and program director of International Animal Rescue Indonesia. So Carmela, thank you for coming on the show. Hi, how are you? I'm great, I'm great. Thank you for coming on. Um, I'm a big fan of, of what you do. The conservation work with orangutan, slow lorries and, and other animals is pretty awesome. Um, but for those who are unfamiliar with who you are and what you do, can you please explain the type of work you do at International Animal Rescue Indonesia? Yes, uh, absolutely. Um, so uh, International Animal Rescue is a, is a global organization, international organization, uh, helping animals uh, around the world. Uh, we founded the Indonesian chapter of the organization uh, here in Indonesia, where I'm based uh, now. So, yeah, um, our main focus is always been saving saving animals, um, focusing mostly on their welfare, on their well-being. Uh, but with the time, we have started to kind of spread out that job of uh, well-being of the animals into protecting their habitat. You know, when we are trying to um, ensure the well-being of these animals, that's only possible when their habitats, where they live, are protected. And at the same time, protecting habitats for wildlife is also protecting humans as well, because uh, we believe that the environment, the humans and the animals are all interconnected. We are just uh, one planet and one, you know, unit. And yeah, I think uh, for us, saving animals is more than just saving animals, but it's also about saving people. All right. So rewinding back a few years. What inspired you to start International Animal Rescue Indonesia in the first place? And what is your mission and vision for the project? So, yeah, again, I think, uh, so I am a vet and, um, and I have always, uh, well, I'm passionate about animals. I love all animals. I came to Indonesia to help as a vet in uh, wildlife rescue centers where it turned out that we received many animals that were coming from the illegal wildlife trade. And um, I was shocked to see how some of these animals suffer so much uh, for just uh, uh, the greed of humans, you know. Um, uh, humans just uh, want to entertain themselves uh, with uh, using animals um, and causing animals a lot of pain and suffer. Um, so we found it back in 2006, was uh, to provide those animals with better care, um, rescue animals, try to also tackle the illegal wildlife trade. And all that work has continued throughout the years. But um, as the organization has uh, continued growing, now we have uh, started focusing more on habitat protection and how we can create a world in which uh, we can all live in harmony um, because the environment is interconnected with uh, us as humans and with all the animals that live in it. You know, I, I think... Uh, Conservation is not only about preserving animals or helping animals, it's about helping ourselves. On your website, it mentions that the vision for International Animal Rescued is a world where humans and animals coexist in sustainable ecosystems. 
So it seems like to me that this peaceful coexistence probably isn't where it should be or where we want it to be. So given that, what are some of the more common forms of human-animal conflict that you deal with at International Animal Rescue? And why is this the case? So yeah, um, basically we are competing and we are pushing away animals from their own territory, from their own habitat for, uh, you know, all our needs. Uh, We don't need their habitat only just to live. We also need their habitat so that we can have a very good quality of life and consume a lot. So basically we... We, all of us, especially in the Western world, are responsible because of all our very high needs, especially consumption. Uh, We are destroying the habitat, the home of these animals. So because we leave the animals with our home, then very often uh, some of these animals, specifically orangutans, tigers, elephants, we come into contact with humans, they enter plantations, and we consider them a pest, and then we also prosecute them. I think it's uh, really twisted, and, um, and we are not realizing how much damage we are doing to our world. So then uh, when those animals are you know, under threat, because humans consider them a pest, uh, very often then they go and try to kill them, you know, basically just uh, want to get rid of them. And this is one of the major conflict issues that we have to deal with in a daily basis here. Okay, so what are some of the critical projects you're working on at the moment that require urgent attention and action? We all are aware of the problems of climate change. And I believe that one of the best or the most important ways to try to reduce climate change or to, well, to even try to stop it, is uh, protecting the forest that we have left. I think this is a huge urgency for all of us. We have to protect the forest that we have left. And and I think this is the the most urgent project that we are working on, how we protect the forest. Yeah, I think that's the only way that we are going to be able to tackle climate change. Okay, so protecting forests, why is that important for climate change? What's the reason for that? I mean, naturally, trees absorb the carbon from the atmosphere. So basically, trees now are the most important element, the most important tool for us to reduce carbon in the atmosphere. But moreover, um, in the area where we are, here in West Kalimantan, we have a type of forest that is called Pichuan Forest. It's known to contain large amounts of carbon. So when you destroy the forest, burn pit forest, the amounts of carbon that are released into the atmosphere are much, much higher. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So by protecting our forests, we're also addressing, I guess, the carbon emissions that happen when we're cutting it down, essentially. But we're also, when we cut the forest down, we're also losing trees that store the carbon. So we lose in two different ways by destroying it, essentially. Another question is, how does the creation of forest economies protect habitat? You know, there are uh, different aspects to forest protection. Um, Forest protection for us living in the West means that we have to reduce the consumption of things and items that have an impact 
in habitats and, and tropical forests around the world. But for a local person, it's a, it's a question of uh, livelihoods. Most people that uh, illegally cut down the forest, especially I'm talking now about local communities, is because they don't have an alternative where they can find livelihoods to to maintain and to to give uh, an opportunity for their families. So I think for those people, protecting the forest has to mean that they can still maintain their families and finding economic alternatives from sustainable forest use is one of the only ways to go if we want to protect the environment. Yeah, okay. So coming up with solutions where the community benefits as well as the environment, that's kind of the solutions that we need to try and look for. Is that what you're saying? Yes. I mean, sustainable uh, economic alternatives that can give potential economic sources for the local communities. Okay. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Can you please talk about Indonesia moving its capital to Borneo? How do we minimize the environmental impact of that? I find it difficult to talk about that issue because uh, it doesn't really, I mean, it is uh, in Borneo, but it's really on the other side of the island. And I, you know, I, I'm not directly involved or it's not going to impact us directly. But um, one of the major problems, and it's something that we are already seeing now, uh, one of the impacts of uh, moving the capital city of Indonesia is land speculation. So um, the price of land is increased massively in the areas uh, nearby or in, you know, in the, within the landscape of the location. And because of that, uh, this land speculation is becoming one of the main reasons for deforestation. Uh, land grabbing, deforestation, um, burning of the forest, uh, you know, it's all kind of a uh, consequence. So I think uh, right now one of the biggest uh, challenges is how to stop this land speculation. Yeah, it seems like a pretty big move. And for those that are out of the loop, why are they moving the capital to Borneo in the first place? I know it's a loaded question, but why are they doing it? Jakarta is kind of like super overcrowded. Uh, and um, Jakarta is actually sinking really rapidly, not only because of the effect of climate change and the rise of the uh, level of the sea, but also because um, it seems like uh, Jakarta is being built in some areas of wetlands where the uh, excessive exploitation of the underneath water is causing the, the soil to basically sink. So a large part already of uh, the capital city of Jakarta is underwater. And, you know, in the, in the coming years, it's estimated that a large, a large proportion of the Jakarta is going to be underwater. And it seems like no construction or no strategy is going to be able to stop that. Yeah, uh, that seems like a pretty, yeah, pretty big problem considering the, the amount of people that are there and having to relocate them. Yeah, so it'd be interesting to see how that pans out. As mentioned before, the in order to achieve the vision of international animal rescue, what are the main roadblocks that need to be addressed to allow for human-animal coexistence over the long term? 
one of the main problems affecting wildlife populations and contributing to human wildlife conflict is forest loss. So I think if uh, we as, you know, the international community don't really look at uh, those tropical forests as the, you know, as an important solution for climate change, if we continue allowing deforestation to happen on this tropical forest, I think uh, that's going to impact all of us. So I think we have to start looking at this problem from the international perspective. This is not a problem of Indonesians. This is not a problem of uh, Borneo and the local communities here. This is a problem that affects all of us in, you know, in the international community. So I think we have to start thinking of international funding, international interventions, and and international assistance. Like you mentioned before, losing these rainforests, you know, contributes to, to climate change. And climate change is obviously a global challenge. So yeah, approaching this from an international point of view makes sense in a lot of different ways. But yeah, I guess coordinating that presents a lot of challenges. I read on the Rangatan Project website that, you know, and as you mentioned before, in 2003, you came to Indonesia to volunteer as a veterinarian in several wildlife rescue and rehab centers. So you've obviously been working with animals for a number of years now. So considering that, what are some life lessons that animals have taught you from the many moments and experiences that you have shared with them? Yeah, uh, I think uh, one of the main lessons or the most important lessons that I've learned from animals is... Uh, the honesty, I mean, you know, animals don't lie. Animals are just uh, who they are. And actually, we can't lie to them either. They know what we think. They know our intentions. Then they know when we are we are being good to them and when we are not. And I think uh, it's a pity we've lost so much of the animal instincts because I think if we were more honest to each other, uh, that would make us better people. So maybe being authentic and honest are some values yeah. that, you know, the animals that you've worked with over the years have probably taught you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And those, those two qualities are probably ones that humans need at the moment, you know, in the age that we're living in with social media, it's very much filtered with social media and the internet. It's very easy to apply a filter and be disingenuous. So, yeah, I think those lessons that they have taught you important lessons that everyone really should be learning to be perfectly honest. Absolutely. I think um, we are losing um, our values and, um, and yeah, of course, the social media has contributed massively to, to that. I think people hide behind their uh, social network profiles because uh, people are afraid to be themselves and, and, you know, just living in a constant lie um, is a, uh, is causing us also massive psychological problems. You just have to look around how many people suffer from uh, psychological diseases. And, and I think uh, we are doing this to ourselves, no one else. So for the work that you do, you mentioned, I guess, the orangutans. Are there other animals that you work with as well, with International Animal Rescue? Yeah, so we work with orangutans. We also work with the slow lorises uh, and with macaques. So focusing mostly on primate species, uh, but we also support the government efforts in tackling illegal wildlife trade 
And sometimes we also help the authorities with other animal species that are victims of uh, this uh, trafficking of uh, wildlife. And obviously, when we are working on forest protection, that means that we are um, helping and we are having an impact not only on one or two species, but uh, like a number of species that uh, live in these ecosystems, you know, like the rainforest in Borneo. So uh, the impact is not only about uh, orangutans as a species, but more a whole ecosystem yeah. and all the different uh, wildlife species that live in it. Definitely. As you mentioned, protecting that habitat obviously is critical because by protecting the habitat, you not only save orangutans, slow lorries, you protect all of the species that call that their home. The wildlife trade that you're talking about, that's something that I'm quite interested in because I see a lot of on social media, I guess, primates as pets. So have you noticed that there has been a, an increase in the wildlife trade over the last few years or has it been pretty much the same for quite a while? So I think if we talk about, um, we talk globally about illegal wildlife trade, I am pretty sure that uh, there's been an increase in consumption of wildlife in general. And mostly that's also been driven by the use of uh, online services and online platforms because um, now trafficking with wildlife uh, has also become more anonymous. Uh, because people can sell animals online. And that's been a massive impact for the industry of uh, wildlife traffickers. And more and more uh, animals are being shipped around the world to end up being um, kept as pets. And very often people don't realize how much impact they have when they go to a pet store in their countries and they buy an animal. So I do believe that that is something that has increased. Uh, when we talk more about the local efforts that we've done here in Kalimantan, and more specifically for the slow lorises and the orangutans that we have been focusing on, uh, we have seen a decrease in people keeping those animals as pets because we have been uh, focusing on uh, education programs and awareness campaign to try to inform the people about the problems of trading with those animals. But yeah, in a global perspective, I think the problem is just going worse. And it, yeah, it seems like that education is very important because yeah, a lot of people just don't really understand that impact and they, they love animals and they don't really, they don't really understand the link between keeping a pet chimpanzee or a pet slow lorry and the negative impact that that actually has on the species so mm -hmm, i agree how can people get involved and support your work to rescue animals around the world i think uh you know obviously there are many things that you can do in your daily life because if we are talking now about the protection of animals like orangutans and we go back to the main threat, which is habitat loss, I think the way that we live our lives in the West has a direct impact on the lives of those animals. So we really need to look at how we live and how our lifestyle has an impact on other sides of the world, you know, and especially in tropical rainforests like in Indonesia. But when people want to have a more direct impact, 
I think the best and the and the most efficient way is uh, donating, uh, giving funds to organizations based in field in the first line, like we are. You know, we have a large number of people working for the organization involved in education, in awareness campaigns, in like forest protection, rescue, uh, release of animals back to the wild. And we cannot do any of that without funding. Without money, we cannot do the work that we do. And we rely 100% on people who donate. So I think the most direct way to make a contribution is uh, donating. Okay, so how can people connect with you and learn more about International Animal Rescue? I guess uh, through our website and um, social networks. I have to say I am not very active in social networks. I don't have the time myself. <laughs> um, but, uh, but, but yes, um, you know, people can access to our website. It's uh, www.internationalmarrescue.or.id. And, um, and yeah, and for the uh, international uh, branch uh, based in the UK, it's www.internationalmarrescue.org. And I guess that that's the best way to, you know, uh, find news about the work that we do and, and more detailed information. And also on your website, people will be able to donate to, to your campaigns as well. Yes, correct. Okay, so for the final question of the, the podcast... What is the eco-impact that you want to have on the world? I think um, we're going back to the, the first question about our mission and our vision. Uh, our vision is a, is a world where animals and people can live in a, an environment, in a safe environment, really. Um, and I think, you know, this sounds like a, an impossible thing. Uh, but I think, I do believe that uh, we have lost connection with the nature and that hasn't really gone well for our societies and I think we have to pause for a bit and and look around what we have become and see that actually the lives that we are living in in the west you know basically consumism is not taking us anywhere so I really hope that people start realizing that nature is important for all of us Thanks everyone for tuning in. If you enjoyed today's episode, then please feel free to subscribe and leave a review. Thanks again, and we will see you in the next episode.